Hey everyone, I'm Diane, a senior therapeutic weight loss specialist here within Strive. And today's podcast episode, we are going to talk about negative self-talk, low self-esteem, how we tie our worth into our weight. It's a bad habit a lot of people fall into. I myself have fallen into this at times in my life. And I think it's definitely worth addressing because truthfully, when we're so caught up in tying our value into something external instead of those intrinsic and internal things that make us who we are, it can be very detrimental. And uh, it's really worthwhile to kind of call it out on the carpet, start examining where it comes from, and also give you some tips here on how to change it, how to you know turn it around, how to do better and be kinder to yourself. These are things that are important, especially when you're setting a, a long-term goal, like losing weight and keeping it off. So that voice of self-doubt and insecurity, I know it's loud. I know it's persistent. I know it's discouraging. What you need to understand is it's very destructive to our efforts. So even though we can all resonate with poisonous self-talk, and I know it invades all of our brains from time to time in different areas of our lives, what you might not understand is it has a massive impact massive impact on your self-esteem and that importance of that deep sense of self-worth is completely invaluable when we're talking about achieving our life goals and of course that includes weight loss losing weight keeping it off that's a life goal self-esteem factors into all of our human endeavors and understanding how it's shaped and influenced in our lives can help us gain that essential awareness and help us make some changes. And that's what we, we wanna dive into today. So first let's talk about where it comes from. Well, self-esteem is born within us. We become aware of how important it is to begin to meet the expectations of others from a pretty young age. We begin to seek out from our family members, our moms, our dads, grandma, you know, clues to our worth from the time that we're a very small child and that accessibility, that acceptability, excuse me, that they think we're good. They like what we're doing. They, they're happy with us. You know, that, that's really important to us. And often we put a lot of energy into pleasing others. And that's because our self-esteem is developed based on the feedback we receive from the world around us and how we interpret it. So people make comments about others on their personality, appearance, weight, looks, talent, whether they're complimentary or uncomplimentary, you better believe that your brain is absorbing that. And even worse, it's comparing you to everyone else to see how you measure up. From the time we're born, we have two innate psychological cravings that are just there. One is to be loved. The other is to be accepted. And when we feel like either of those things is denied and mentally tie the origin of that denial to a physical characteristic, that seed of self-doubt is planted. And unfortunately, I think we all know feeding those self-doubts and you know watering them and helping them grow is a lot easier than it is to focus on strengths. You know, those insecurities, the things that we're feeling not great about in ourselves, we tend to give a lot of, for lack of a better word, weight to. We give a lot of thought to, we give a lot of energy to but we don't always give that same amount of energy to the things about ourselves that we're proud of, the things that we think are good and make us strong. When the tie is formed in regard to your body image, it can really be detrimental to the way that you think and you feel about your physical appearance and more specifically how you feel about your weight. 
I, I want you to just for a minute, pause and think about this. How many times in your life have you stopped and thought, oh, if only I was thinner, I would be blank. And you fill in the blank with whatever, you know, that might be for you. I can tell you for me in my life, it would be things like, if only I was thinner, I would be happier. If only I was thinner, I would be prettier. If only I was thinner, I'd be more successful. If only I was thinner, I'd be more confident. If only I was thinner, I'd finally like myself. If those sound familiar, that's negative self-talk. And that comes from that negative self-image. And I'm telling you guys, I know where you're coming from with this because I have done battle with negative self-image in my life as well from time to time. I'm going to briefly share my own experiences with you and where things started for me. And then together, I'd like us to look at some tips to start freeing us from this detrimental habit. Because truthfully, when you're being so mean to yourself, when you're saying things that are awful, you look in the mirror and, oh my gosh, look at the, my, my thighs. Oh my God, this belly. Why do I have this belly? I look horrible in this outfit. I hate my hair. I can't stand my nose. I don't like my crooked smile. My teeth aren't white enough. Whatever it is that you're saying to yourself, would you ever say those things to a stranger? Would you ever say those things to your mother? Would you ever say those things to your child? If the answer is no, you have no business saying them to yourself either. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow. I know that's a bad habit we fall into, but it really can hold you back. It can be the thing that's the albatross around your neck that's keeping you from reaching this freedom that you're looking for in your goals to lose weight and learn to keep that off for life. You need to believe in yourself. So let's talk a little about my experience and then I'm gonna help you guys learn just some tips that helped me to try to kind of start freeing myself from this bad habit of being so unkind to, um, you know, my reflection in the mirror. Uh, for most of my life, I wanted to look different. I grew up in a family where my dad put a big emphasis on physical appearance and whether or not his daughters measured up to whatever the ideal was in his brain. And being overweight in my family was frowned upon in the same way that becoming a heavy smoker might have been frowned upon. When you're getting that kind of negative connotation with food and weight, it can really cause that moldable young mind of, you know, a fragile young girl whose body is changing every day while moving from child to young adult to start experiencing those feelings of shame and feeling shameful about the hips that are expanding or the rounding of your belly. Those are normal everyday changes that every young girl goes through. But for me, those changes coupled with the body expectations that I learned from my dad and society made it very easy to slip into the grips of body dysmorphia and a deep seated fear of food became a cross that I bared for many, many years. That psychological tie that was formed for me between weight and worth is something that I my whole life have battled against. I think a lot of you out there are probably resonating with this. Like many of us have had something in our childhood or young adult um, time of our life that made that tie form in the first place. I can tell you one of my earliest memories where I became conscious of my body and my body not being good enough was a wedding I was in. 
I was a junior bridesmaid. I was a kid. I was literally like 12, maybe 13 years. I think I was 12. And I, we all wore these 80s dresses, right? You know, the mermaid style, the fitted, and they were like peach with silver lace. They were real beauties, let me tell you, but they're very fitted. And I was obviously a child, but I still had a little baby fat. I still, you know, had not formed the body of a, an adult female by any means. And I remember a comment being made that I looked chubbier than any of the other bridesmaids in their dresses. And I was just a kid. And that comment really hit me. It really made me stop for a second and go, wow, wait a minute, what? I thought I looked pretty. I thought my dress looked nice. I thought I looked really good. I felt really happy. I got to dress up and be part of this wedding. And then that comment was made. And the only thing I remember feeling after that was embarrassed. And like, I wanted to hide and like, I wanted to not be in that public format and that public eye. Um, that's just one memory for me, but that those kind of memories, those core memories that form your, your value and your worth in your mind and, and tying it to that body image, they're, they're really shaping to somebody who is just learning what the world's about in that way and, and what body image should be or could be. When someone is influencing your body image in a negative way, it's very easy to form that lasting bond. Remember, negative is easier to believe than positive a lot of times. So that, that food fear that I kind of got ingrained in me it, it set me up for a really unhealthy obsession with staying thin and it made food something that I was scared of rather than something I enjoyed or, or found pleasure in. And that kept going. I mean, in college years, that was when Kate Moss, y'all remember Kate Moss, the little skinny, you know, tiny, tiny anorexic looking uh, supermodel, maybe not anorexic looking, I guess that's not fair, but she was very, very thin. She was the height of beauty. Every magazine, everywhere you looked, that is what was on the cover of these waif-like tiny little girls. And even though at that point in my life, I really wasn't overweight, I never felt thin because I was a tall girl with long legs and a curvy body. And what the world deemed attractive was not an hourglass figure. It was a small framed waif. And that definitely was not me. So I would stare in the mirror and wish away, you know, the hips I inherited from my mom or tell myself how big my stomach looked in this outfit or that outfit. And I would, you know, in my head, unleash this barrage of insults at myself, horrible things that I would never say to anyone else. But for me, not meeting the societal ideal meant I wasn't good enough. And because when I was a kid, that message was kind of ingrained in me from the jump it was very easy to fall into that problematic thinking. And it, even when I was at my thinnest, I was like a size four. I was so afraid of losing that almost stick thin status that I restricted my food intake, which is not healthy. I was constantly obsessed with, the, with my food and my scale and I was completely miserable and none of that is healthy. My physical appearance ruled how I felt about myself as a person and how confident I was and what I believed I deserved in life. And I, I mean, relationships, careers, you name it. My self-worth and my silhouette had become a completely intertwined thing. So if my body didn't look good enough, that meant I wasn't good enough in any way. 
that self-worth that I had though, that self-confidence that came from that lower weight on the scale, it's so conditional and it's so fickle because whether you are being complimented or society approves of you, or, you know, someone tells you you're attractive, those are the things that make you feel a-okay, right? When that's happening, you're good. But gaining weight means you're a failure and your accomplishments, things like good grades, or, you know, getting a new job or, you know, helping a friend, whatever, are not things that are celebrated as much so as the physical things. It's a really unhealthy scale that we tend to gravitate toward because when our brains have the option of believing something bad about ourselves or something good about ourselves, Many of us will readily take the bad before we will strive to believe the good. So that negative talk, that negative image that we have formed, that worth that is so fragile and so dependent on what everyone else thinks about us or fitting into that societal norm, it becomes something that is very unstable and very uh, hard to maintain because the minute that something changes, you know, let's say the winds change and your self-worth is shaken like a leaf. That's not the kind of self-worth that you need. You need the kind that you know comes from within, those intrinsic things about yourself, not those external things that make you feel worthy in society or you know, in your family or whatever the case might be. So now that we kind of know a little bit more about me, and thanks for, uh, for, for bearing that, guys, I just thought it was important to share with you my own personal experience so that you understood that... I'm not just saying this as someone who is a, an in-stripe counselor. I'm saying this as someone who's been in your shoes, someone who's walked through that path, someone who, who has felt that way in my own life. What I'd like to share with you now is ways that you can start strengthening your self-worth and making yourself feel better with those internal motivations and breaking that tie. It's not always easy. I'm not going to pretend that this comes in five seconds and that the first day you do it, it's gonna make this lasting lifelong change. This is something like anything else that you need to practice a little bit with. You're gonna to need to force yourself to do these habits in the beginning, but like anything else in 21 days, something that's a habit becomes, I'm sorry, something that is just a behavior like that you're telling yourself to do will form into a habit that's a pathway. Your brain forms a connection. So if you keep doing this, if you're consistent, your brain is going to start to make different connections than what it's doing right now. And you can start working on that self-worth, whether it's, you know, constantly changing its stripes and you're not sure how you feel from day to day, or whether it's been hardened to the bone into that self, uh, you know, that appearance and that self-image that really we should not be tying our self-worth to. Let's talk about how to fix it. So improving self-worth, there's not a quick fix for that broken self-image. I wish there was, but if it feels like your value in your own eyes has plummeted, there are small steps that you can take to start improving that right away. I'm gonna give you 10 small things you can do to start making a difference. The first one's pretty easy, guys. Be nice to yourself. That little voice that tells you you're killing it or you're not killing it is way more powerful than you might think. Make an effort to be kind to yourself. And if you do slip up, try to challenge those negative thoughts. A good rule of thumb is to speak to yourself in the same way, like I said earlier, that you would speak to your mother, your sister, your child. 
It can be really hard at first, but practice will make perfect. And if you need pointers on this, I'm sure there's lots of great information you can find online on this topic. You can, if you're an InStrive member, you can talk to one of us about it. We can help with that. Uh, you know, this is a topic that's come up before in our InStrive private community on Facebook. So definitely uh, a good behavior to start with is talking nicer to yourself. You do you. Comparing yourself to others is a surefire way to start feeling crappy, seriously. If you're trying to measure up to something, you're going to be putting yourself against someone else whose set of circumstances is completely different than yours. And nobody needs that kind of pressure. So focus on your own goals and achievements. Guys, I'm speaking to you InStrive members out there who I see on the private group commenting on posts going, well, how come she's losing 10 and 12 pounds this month and I've only lost six pounds this month? And that's why is she losing? Don't do that. Okay. That is that comparison. That's what you don't want to do. If you know you're solid and sticking to the program, your body is losing at the rate it's supposed to be losing at. Don't confuse that. Don't get it twisted. Don't look at someone else as the model of what you should be doing. Your body is not their body. Your body is different. Get moving. If exercise is a reality for you, if you are someone who can do exercise or fit it into your schedule, you know, it's a good way to increase motivation. You can set small goals, taking a walk with your dog, maybe a, around the block a couple times in the evening, or maybe the goal is just to get on your exercise bike for 15 minutes, three times a week, whatever it is, getting into that pattern, number one, gives you confidence because you, you're keeping a commitment to yourself. Number two, breaking a sweat cues the body to release endorphins, those feel-good hormones. So it does actually cause you to feel better when you are doing any kind of activity, even moderate activity, or you know, even very low impact or low energy activity. So if exercise is a reality for you, that might be something you can start looking at, adding just a little bit in to get that positive affirmation that you're reaching goals you're setting and also get the, that endorphin release. Nobody's perfect. Always strive to be the best version of yourself, but it's important that you understand perfection is an unrealistic goal. Perfection's not a reality, guys. So don't try to be perfect. Try to be a better person than you were yesterday. And I don't mean that as far as yesterday, you were a bad person. I mean that as if yesterday, you know that you stopped by Starbucks and you got a, you know, mocha frappuccino with extra caramel drizzle on it or something, you know that today you have the opportunity to make a better choice. Yesterday, when you were imperfect, today, you're still going to be imperfect, but you can be a little closer to the goal if you make those choices. Just don't set the bar too high because nobody's hitting that perfection. I don't care who they are. Remember that everyone makes mistakes. Let's talk more about the frappuccino. You have to make mistakes in order to learn and grow. And I know it's hard not to beat yourself up when it happens, but don't forget that it's going to happen. Everyone's been there. Mistakes occur. Just get right back on track. That's the measure of how well you're doing. It's not falling down. It's how many times you get back up, right? How many times have you heard that? It's true in every walk of life. Focus on what you can change. It's real easy to get hung up on the things that are not in your control, but that's not going to achieve much for you, is it? It's much better to focus your energy on identifying the things that are within your ability to control and seeing what it is that you can actually do about them. So if you know that right now 
you are working every day. You're busy with your kids after work. You're, you're not able to, you know, cook healthy meals. Don't focus on the fact that you can't change, that you don't have time to cook a healthy meal. Focus during the week, let's say. Focus instead that on the weekends, what you can change is on Sunday, you can take an hour and you can do some meal prep so that you have some healthy meals available throughout the week. So don't look at what you can't change and go, oh gosh, this is why, this is why I'm not successful. This is why it isn't working. That's not gonna help you move forward. Really take a realistic look at the things you can change to make this a better experience for you. And also when you do that, you're gonna be able again to feel that celebration of keeping your commitments because you're looking at things that are realistic. You're not looking at things that are completely out of your control. Do what makes you happy. If you spend time doing things you enjoy, you are much more likely to think positively. So you need to try to schedule a little you time every day, whether that's spent reading, cooking, just hanging out on your couch and watching a TV program for a little while. It doesn't matter, but whatever makes you happy, make some time for it every day. That time for you is extremely important. Celebrate the small stuff. Small stuff can be, hey, you got up on time this morning. Man, that's one I celebrate. I'm bad at that. I hit the snooze button. So maybe today I didn't hit the snooze button. I'm like, you know what, girl, you got it. You're awesome today. Today, you're not running 20 minutes behind. So that can be a small one. Maybe this morning I poached my eggs and they were perfect. Poaching eggs is hard. So, so if there's a day that I poach them and they're awesome, I'm going to celebrate that. It's a win. Celebrate your wins. Every small victory is a win. And it's a really, really good way to start building your confidence and feeling better about yourself. And try writing it down. Write down three things that you did great at the end of every day. I don't care how crappy you feel. Take a minute and think about what you did right and write it down. Three things a day. Be a friend. Being helpful and considerate to other people will boost your mood. It's not just a mood booster that you're going after. I mean, you're going to boost their mood too. And that's a good thing, right? We all want to be good to each other. But making other people feel good also makes you feel pretty good about yourself. So be a friend. Be a pal. Do something nice for someone today. Number 10, last one, surround yourself with a, a supportive group of friends and family. Find people that make you feel good about yourself and avoid the ones who trigger negative thinking. So for me, and I hate to say this because it's sad, but based on my example, negative thinking would have come from my dad and the way that my dad thought about body image and weight and the, the, the shameful way he looked at weight gain and the you know amount of importance he put on fitting the societal ideal. If that's the case, if there's someone in your life that is giving you that negative feedback, limit your exposure, you know, and when you're a kid, like I was, that's hard. But as an adult, we're all adults here. If someone in your life is making you feel really bad, try your best to not be around them because they're not helping you be the best version of who you are. I know that's not, you know, possible in every single situation or circumstance, but do your best to be around those who build you, the ones who are, you know, adding to your life and giving value to your life and making you feel happy, not the ones that are stealing your, your self-worth and making you feel really poorly and breaking you down and always giving you negative connotation and feedback to everything you do. Not the people you want to surround yourself with on a regular basis. You are who you hang around with. There is, um, you know, this, this, 
saying that's like you can soar with the eagles or you can squawk with the chickens and it's kind of seriously like if you want to be an eagle you got to start surrounding yourself with eagles and it's the same idea here if you want to be a positive person you have to surround yourself with positive people don't surround yourself with the naysayers they're not going to do you any favors all right guys that's it for today i hope you learned something here i hope that we touched on a little bit of why that negative thinking can be so detrimental to your efforts and how to start turning that around in small ways every day. If you want more information on this topic, certainly you can listen to Wendy Francis, who is one of our dietitians here within Strive. And her podcast that she does is all about emotional eating, the tie between our emotions, how we feel about ourselves and some of our eating behaviors. That is another great podcast in addition to this one that is completely available to you, whether you are an InStrive client or not. You can look her up. It's Wendy, W-E-N-D-I-E Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S. Thanks so much, guys. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. I look forward to talking to you again next Wednesday. And as always, thank you so much for joining me on the InStrive podcast. Take care, guys.